0: set an alarm for six minutes. I set your alarm for 11.45 a.m. Today, we are examining time and how to be generous with it. You know, we've been looking at generosity for the last few weeks and we've looked at our whole lives as being generous, at our finances, The importance of giving to God some of what He's given to us and, today, our time. And as you just heard read, I'm going to start by reminding us that uh, God wants us to, in the words of this passage, make the most of every opportunity, or you could translate it, make the best use of time, or I think this next wording gets at the heart of what the Greek is saying, redeeming the time. Maybe you've heard of it that way. Redeeming the time. So, today, we're going to look at generosity that starts in our hearts and flows out through every minute that we live. So, let's first of all talk about time. Maybe I'll begin with a quote from the year 400 when St. Augustine wrote, What is time? Provided that no one asks me, I know. If I want to explain it to an inquirer, I do not know. <laughs> it's hard to get a hold of this subject. And the more I thought about it in the, coming, in the past weeks, and the more I thought about it this morning as I was preaching I think Augustine is right. And even if I just say the word "time," some of you may think, "Oh, that reminds me of my alarm clock that uh, you know I have to slam and shut off every morning because it's time to wake up." Or maybe a, what was it a few weeks ago when we adjusted the hours? you know, spring ahead, fall back, and all that, and I think that's supposed to change, isn't it? Maybe? But either way, it's kind of a pain to get used to it. So time, for some of us, sometimes is not a good word. On the other hand, if you are like me into sci-fi, and you think about time travel, now that's kind of interesting. You don't have to be into it to wish maybe that the, the favorite cup or mug that you inadvertently knocked on the floor and crashed into a thousand pieces might not have happened that way if you could go back in time and just stop your hand from hitting it off the edge of the counter, right? Or um, maybe in, in a more serious way if you've ever been involved like in a car accident, you relive the seconds that seems so slowed down and you think, oh, if only I would have put my brake on two seconds before, I would not have encountered that other car. Um, Or if you are into, let's say when I was a kid, there used to be a weekly show called The Time Tunnel. Some of you remember that? It was interesting. Or movies like The Time Machine, that's a classic by H.G. Wells, or more up to our day, uh, Back to the Future, or Star Trek, where they literally are going back in time for adventures. Well, all of this is kind of futile because from what I read about Einstein's special theory of relativity, uh, it's just technically not possible to physically go back and then come back from Being back in time, time travel, isn't a possibility. But who knows what the future holds, right? But from a biblical viewpoint, when you think about time, where would you start? Wouldn't you start way back in Genesis 1, where it says, first word, right? In the beginning, that's one word in Hebrew, in the beginning, God and then it goes on to describe time. In fact, Augustine, who I just quoted earlier, said, time and the world were created simultaneously. So it doesn't say on day one when God said, let there be light and time, you don't have to say that because when it's structured as days and nights, days, right? as brand-new time. So, in a biblical viewpoint, you have God who was there in the beginning, but therefore He was before time. He was, could we say, outside of time. He is one with no beginning, no ending, eternal, not subject to time but he put his earthly creatures into the realm of time and watch this God enters into time to be with people that was six minutes time before I told my phone set an alarm there was a six-minute block we live through the six minutes, and now we're looking back on the six minutes. That's something about what time is like, the passing of the moments. So what was I saying before I was interrupted? <laughs> oh, yes. God creates time, he's outside of time, but he enters into time, and when his son becomes incarnate, in a body in time and space there's a sense in which god is familiar with time but he's above time as well can you is your brain already getting a little uh, stretched here so Why are we talking about it today if it's all around us like the air we breathe? Because God says in the book of Ephesians, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, redeeming the time. So that's what I want to talk about today. What does that mean, to redeem the time? Let me start by saying what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean manage your time better. And uh, for most of us, um, we could probably use some better time management, right? There are countless books and seminars and blogs and you know, somebody gave me a book this week on the management of time and being able to allocate certain space for this and that and rest and Sabbath. Those are all very, very good. But that's not what Paul says in Ephesians 5. That's not redeeming time. In fact, if I were to say, okay, let's talk about how to manage our time better. For some of you, you're going to cringe and say, why am I even here? You've just added now to my to-do list. You may feel like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I can remember going into a batting cage where you put, back then, a quarter in the machine. Do they still have these things? I suppose so. I don't know. But, and and then you stand back with a bat, and the machine pitches baseballs to you, and you can swing and hit, because there's nobody around, just the fence around you, right? You ever feel that way? time is coming at you even if your bat isn't ready right the the baseballs are coming past you and you miss it and it's just so to say christians we need to manage our time better for some of you that's a stress point you cringe as well like i don't i don't think i want to hear that no I'm going to say, good, then just put that to aside for now. Uh, you can come back to it in your own time and talk about your own use of time, but that's not what redeeming time means. And I think the, the clue to this is what Paul says in this verse, in verse 16 of Ephesians 5. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He gives us a reason to buy back the time, to redeem it, to make the most of it. And it's not because we're not doing a good job at managing our minutes. It's because, he says, we're living in an evil age. Ah, so as soon as we hear this term, the days are evil, We're thrown back to the big story of the Bible. And again, we go back to Genesis, where if you were walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, you would see a beautiful life with time as it should be. God and his creatures. Everything was perfect. Then, Satan comes in the serpent tempts Adam and Eve from worshiping their God and turns themselves on themselves. I think the tree will make me wise. It is a delight to my eyes. So they enjoy the knowledge of evil, which is self centeredness, idolatry of the self. And so What gets sucked into that is time. Instead of time being a tool to glorify God, it becomes something to be used for self-aggrandizement, selfishness. And that's the world that we're born into. That's the world that the Bible calls now the evil age. But there is coming a day when Jesus returns, when he will put Satan away forever, Well, he will purify the world, and all will be right. It will not be an evil day. It will be the day of the Lord, the day of righteousness. And time will be restored. It will be redeemed. So you see what's happening? In the story of redemption, what will be one day is meant to be practiced today by Christians. Why? Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation that's coming has already come in our hearts. The old is gone and the new is here. But we might say it's also coexisting, it's overlapping with the evil age. So what does Paul tell us? You Christians have to redeem the time Because the days are evil. You have to, we have to, aggressively stand up at that plate and purposely redeem every moment of every day. It's not use it better, manage it better for yourself. It's redemptively rescue time from its evil purposes, from its self-centeredness. That's what Paul's calling us to, and you might say, hold it. That's huge. Yes, that's radical. That means that as Christians, we don't just, uh, you know, uh, have a veneer of Christianity. From the inside out, we are diametrically opposed to this evil age and all of the arrows that point into us with self-centeredness and selfishness and self-fill in the blank with my time. No, we are generous people that redeem the time. How do you do that? Well, I'm gonna give you three words to use to talk about how to redeem, how to think redemptively about your minutes. First, remember that our time is limited. Listen to Psalm 90, verse 10 and verse 12. Psalm 90. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see what the psalmist is saying? If you look at the big picture, all of us are but a little drop in the bucket. So therefore, let's be real. Number your days. All right, so let's, let's do this here. Let's take 80, because he says, right, 70 or 80. I already talked to someone first service who says, uh, they heard my sermon first service. That calculation doesn't work. What calculation? So this is what I say, take the number 80, subtract your age, what do you get? Well, this person was 88. I said, you're living on really borrowed time. But seriously, do it. Right now, do it. You don't need a calculator, right? So that's how many years you have left to live. If you live to be 80, You say, come on, Krusen, you're being morbid. Uh, No, I'm being realistic. That's what the psalmist wants us to pray. Lord, teach me to number my days. How many days do I have left? That's what he means. And for some of you younger folk, you're saying like, well, Okay, let's say I have 60 years left or 70 years that seems like a lifetime. Yeah, it is a lifetime (laughs) But for others of you Like me 13 13 years left (gasps) Wow My oldest grandchild. (gasps) Oh Wow, and you start yeah, so what? are your wow moments. What's happening in your soul when you realize the clock is ticking and it wasn't six minutes, but someday the alarm is going to go off? That's a good thing because Christians are realistic. We know that our time is limited, which means we need to redeem the years. Now, thinking about an illustration and I of of somebody in our church like this and I could think of many many people but one I just talked to this week and I won't give her name some of you know who I'm talking about but she embodies this redeeming every moment so she told me that uh, a little bit ago she had her second report from her doctor about cancer that had reoccurred. She had already given up driving and, uh, you know, she lives by herself in a, in a small place. But you wouldn't know that if you talked to her because, as she tells me, and I'm sure she tells other people, if it wasn't for Zoom, my church life would be zero. Zoom? Yeah. well. F- I mean, she watches Sunday morning here, but then she has one or two other prayer meetings, including our Tuesday night one, where she's there with other believers. And some of you in our church help her, take her to doctor's visits, bring food to her, and so forth, and then she tells me the other day, oh, and I just finished lesson 42 in my online class, at this online college on the Holy Spirit. And now I'm on to the next course, and I forget the title of it. I, wow, she's not shriveling up. She's redeeming her days. She's praying for people. Here I call to find out how she's doing. She starts asking me about my wife and her father and how's your school going and blah, blah, blah. loops. Uh, uh, I just said her name. All right. I called to find out how you are. Would you please stop telling, asking me all these questions about me? And she realizes that she may not be here in six months. Wow. When I grow up, I want to be like her. Secondly, not only should we realize that our time is limited, but it, it should also be Planned. Planned. Listen to Paul. He's writing to the church at Rome, and at the end of his letter, he tells them this. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and he's in Greece, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you in Rome, Italy, I plan to do so When I go to Spain, I hope to see you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. And I'm thinking, hold it, Paul, you're 65 years old, almost. You should be sipping whatever Romans sip in retirement, and you're packing your bags to go to Spain? Paul, how would you get there? Well, I guess I would have to walk or take a boat. Hmm. He planned his life. He said, I'm now in Greece. I want to go to Spain. If you look on the map, Italy is in the middle. So, oh, maybe I'll stop in Rome. There's some cool cappuccino places there. And no, I want to see these believers. planning. It's not ungodly to plan. I mean, after all, a week ago, we were in this room as church members talking about what did our church do last year, our annual report. What is our church going to do in the next fiscal year? We went through a budget. Every ministry, line by line, planned out the next year for what God has for us. That's a very godly pursuit. Now, at the same time, you have to be ready for interruptions. That's fine. It's not either or. It's not like, oh, I'm only going to go when God guides me and opens the door. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Well, you'll be standing there, and the door will be shut until you turn the knob. It's both. It's not one or the other. So think about your life in a redemptive way. What can you do to redeem someone, something for Christ from evil when you're on your job tomorrow? When you have free time, when you're with your family, or if you're in retirement? I'm asking you, how can you actively push against the darkness and shine Jesus' light and love into whoever and wherever and whatever you're doing. You have to think about that. You have to plan it. Maybe it means using your job skills to enhance your company this week. And then, maybe it means sharing those skills with another Christian organization, or our church, as a way of saying, yeah, I can help dispel the darkness. I can advance the kingdom of Christ. Maybe it means taking a friendship to a deeper level by mentoring someone. Maybe it means opening your home to someone who has a temporary need for housing. Maybe it means creating a will and a power of attorney so that the people who love you and care for you don't scramble if you're incapacitated or you die. Maybe it means I think it does mean this, taking inventory of your time so that if you do it, you say, wow, I spent that much time on my phone or that much time watching movies. And you start to say, wow, it's like I'm standing in this batting cage and those baseballs just keep coming and I'm just watching them come. I think, well, that's cool. That's a curveball. But... The ball is meant to be hit. We are meant to redeem time, not just to stand and watch the minutes pass. So I thought about someone in our church who stood up and hit a home run. And most of us don't hit home runs. But a few weeks ago, I was given a tour of a Christian school in the city of Philadelphia and some of you may know the school that I'm talking about, that really is developing and growing, and they're in a new facility, and they're reaching out to the neighborhood, and they're really making a mark on that part of Philadelphia. And to me, it was, it was jaw-dropping knowing where they had come from just a few years ago. So I said to a friend who I thought I could ask this question. I said, was it so-and-so, and and I'm not gonna slip with a name here, okay? Was it so-and-so's vision to do this, or was it like a group of people? And he said, no, it was this person in Chelton who said, now that I'm retired, I'm gonna take my skills and bring other people with me, put on the board, help me with this, help me with that, And that's what brought this school to where it is today. And then they have a plan to go further as well. One person's vision made a difference in the way he is redeeming his time. And God can use you. Maybe not to hit a home run, but maybe just to bunt a ball and get onto first base. That's what most of us do. Third, our time should be shared with other people. Because if redeeming time means buying it up out of the evil world of darkness around us, usually that's going to involve other people. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2. You know this passage probably. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather, in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus then it goes on to describe Christmas Good Friday Easter Sunday and the second coming of Jesus so what's Paul saying Jesus used his time to come for us. We can't really think about our agenda as serving us. It has to mean our agenda serves others, and in the process, we get blessed as well. That's really hard, isn't it? Because that's the evil age around us. What's in it for me? And Christians say, what's in it for me is that I get to help someone else. That's radical. Every minute should be lived with the mindset of helping someone else. You see, Jesus' example doesn't just show us, but it also enables us. Because by his Spirit, who's in us, and we're in him we get to perform with the same sort of selfless acts that he did. So, be honest with yourself and the way you speak. One person wrote this. Instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying, it's not a priority, and see how that feels. that's really what you're saying, right? Changing our language reminds us that time is a choice. So when you're faced with that, uh, should I or shouldn't I? Yeah, that's the wrestling that we have to do. So plan to have conversations that matter with other people that include your failures, your frustrations, and how you run to the Lord for forgiveness and grace. That will encourage someone else who's living in the evil day to find joy in God's kingdom. You could call that a redemptive relationship. Right? We're on the journey together. And, and one final thing, look at interruptions by people as opportunities for God boy, this is a hard one for me to practice because right? I get my list, done, 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 oops, who are you? Why are you, no, we wouldn't say it, right? Why are you messing up my schedule? You read the gospel accounts, how many times is Jesus doing something and then somebody just invades? And Jesus doesn't brush the person off, remember the, the little kids? Hey, tell those kids to go away, Jesus. We don't have time for a children's ministry, Miss Mary. Hey, let them come. Let them come. Let the interruptions come. So I was thinking, boy. Now I had to think, like, whoa. I'm trying to think of one example here from many. So I learned this week that someone that I know in our church said, I need to be mentored by an older person, and I'm listening to this person speak. Really? I, I didn't say it, but it's like, well, I thought you kind of had it all together. <laughs> and this person who is the mentor is a senior citizen. So I'm not, we're not talking about a teenager looking for, you know. Oh, That's amazing, which meant that the mentor has to take time redeeming their minutes and the mentee, is that how you say it, Uh, is taking time. Why? Because the days are evil. We have to learn to live redemptively on both sides of this, giving it and receiving it. Now, if you're you're sitting there saying, you know, I feel like I'm in a batting cage, and I don't even know how to swing a bat. You're telling me all these victory stories and all. Come on. Well, can I remind you that this passage says that, yeah, you've you, you got to swing, but you do it, if I can keep my analogy going, with the Lord standing there behind you, helping you hold the bat. The passage says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's no formula for this. There's no checklist that says, you know, you need to give 10% of your time away, like a tie. There's a, no, it's all from God. It's all for God. Well, then, how much? I've got my own stuff. I mean, I've got to weed my garden, right? I've got to pay my bills. I've got to go grocery shopping. That's for myself, isn't it? Well, yeah, sure, you have to do that. But you talked about others, so uh, uh, take a deep breath, ask God. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not, here's the answer, do it, it's you figure out what is the best way that God directs you to live. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. They may be more high-energy. They may have more free time. Put down the comparisons. Learn to turn off the noise. You see, do you remember a few, was it a few months ago, Pastor Shep talked about living in the Eremos, getting away to the desert? the lonely place, the quiet place, remember that? Boy, I have to keep coming back to that in my own life, and that's what I'm saying to you today. As someone said, the Holy Spirit usually doesn't shout. He whispers. Don't focus so much on your calendar, but on your heart. Planning is downstream from praying. So I'm here to nudge you on, but not to say here's exactly what you must do with your time. If you get the vision, yeah, I've got my time, it's limited but I'm going to use it for others to redeem this evil world and bring Jesus light. Well, God be with you, you've got it. It's gonna look uniquely different for you than for you, than for you, than for me. But that's what makes living for the Lord so exciting and beautiful. Now, after the first service, uh, Bob Schein, most of you know Bob, right, gave me a little card that was given out at his father's memorial service. And he said, Bill, this is what my dad said time and time again in our house. I'm going to read it. It's called I Only Have a Minute by Dr. Benjamin Mays. I only have a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Lord, thank you for the reminder that... Everything we do matters. So take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take our moments and our days as we redeem them by Your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.